contagion across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans, for the fans. Raging Review. Little bonus episode action. Conference Championship game for the first time in Lafayette. Man, do we have a absolutely stacked lineup for this episode. App State Athletic Director Doug Gillen in the first segment. In the second segment, Sun Belt Conference Commissioner. Keith Gill. And then in the final segment, our guy Jay Walker. We'll give you a little bit from each perspective, App State, Louisiana, as well as the Sun Belt Conference. Matt Miguez here. Jerry Abair, Josh Jagno, join me. And guys, you know, obviously we get into a lot with our three guests, but the, the main thing that we've got to talk about right now is developments in the Louisiana coaching search. Um, a couple of articles have come out that uh, Mike Desremo is what people are calling a strong candidate. As well as um, I've, I've seen a couple of articles float around saying that Pete Golding is, is up on the list as well. And, you know, there, there's a couple other guys on the list that people aren't really talking about. But, you know, it's one of those things where there's going to be names that don't get mentioned in the public eye that fans like us that follow the program know that they're in the mix. Well, everybody that is a savvy coach search uh fan and has done this a few times knows where to get your information and that is flight tracker everybody knows that so go pay attention to flight tracker if you want to be one of those psychotic fans and show up at the airport and take pictures and send it to us if you want like i was when we hired matt dex yeah 100 percent. so uh you mentioned some names there and I, I just want to make it clear to everybody out there we're just as invested in this coaching staff as you are we're just as invested in finding the right guy um what I would say is, you know, Dez has had his name thrown around a lot yesterday and today. I know a lot of people are kind of freaking out. If that were to happen, you have to think about the positives, right? Anybody and everybody who's been around Billy Napier and Mike Desermo say they're very similar in so many different ways. Uh, like we've said on the, on the message board, listen, Mike is he, he thought he was always going to be a head coach at the high school level, same as Billy. He's a mild-mannered uh, type of guy, so is Billy. Um, he values his morals, and he values his relationships very similarly to Billy. You know, all of those things are something that's important to Maggard. It's going to be on his, his list of things that he's going to want our next coach to have. Then you have to also keep in mind, the rumor out there is, and look, all this is rumor, so look, we're, we're speculating just like you, you guys are, but we, we trust the people that we speak to. The staff likes Mike Desermo, and a lot of them would entertain the idea of staying put if Mike was put in place. That is the rumor. 
we all think that consistency is important, right? If we have something that's working, keep it going. I understand that sometimes people say, well, you always want to be improving. If you're not improving, you're dying. I get that idea. However, this is the most incredible success we've ever experienced for this amount of time. I don't think that that's a stagnation of sorts. I think that that shows that you have something that you need to keep. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We got something that's working in our level. We got something that the fans appreciate. Um, he's a local guy, so he will galvanize Acadiana. The players are going to ride for him. They already, they're all over Twitter saying it. Uh, I don't think that the Mike Desermo story is written, but if that is the, the, the hire, I understand the propensity for people to be kind of upset with that. I, we have become more of a premier job in the G5. I know everybody wants a big name out there. Hell, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm including myself. I would love to see a big splash hire, but at the same time, look at App State. App State has hired from within so many times throughout the course of their 30 years of dominance, whether it be the SOCON, whether it be the move up to FBS, they have promoted from within and it has worked almost every time. So let's pump the brakes on Mike Desimo's not ready. He has relationships in this business. He's been a big recruiter for seven years. He's got Billy Napier on speed dial. I think that there's a lot to be said about Mike. Now, the question is, can he keep a staff intact? Can he hire staff, or, you know, new staff members if they get plucked? That is a valid concern. But specific to Mike, I think all those things need to be considered when you think about the next head coach. Well, how about this? Uh, a breaking news tweet that I just read out of the University of Virginia. Bronco Mendenhall is stepping down as head coach of the Cavaliers. Are you going to suggest that he come here? I mean, who would you entertain that? No, not interested. Fair. Lots of reasons why. Lots of reasons why. But I want to get into that because I, I think that's just us speculating for you know within our own our own heads here. I, I'm I'm hoping that we can just address the things that have been said publicly now. And if Jerry wants to bring up some other names, but I, I just wanted to address the Mike Desermo uh, thing because I think. People are, it's, it's getting, it's getting a little bit wild out there. So I, I think it's important to kind of, you know, put some levity on that. Well, I'll give you some levity. Look who's making the hire, Brian Maggard. I mean, he's hundred percent. He, he's been spot on for all of his hires. Um, he goes through the same process for every coach. That includes when he went and hired Billy. I mean, Billy Napier wasn't even top three amongst fans. None of us even knew who he was until he got hired. Then you, see his resume and oh look he was offensive coordinator at Clemson for a year at the age of 29 even though we got let go but he was still the fact that he was asked to do it right and he learned a lot from there oh look he became he was a wide receivers coach at Alabama for five years oh and he was head of recruiting for a year under Nick Saban um, and then he became oh oh yeah he's the OC and, and Herm Edwards uh, looks like he promoted him to associate head coach guy had some accolades didn't even know who he was so I don't know if it's whether it's Mike, whether it's whoever. I think, you know, Brian Maggard's going to go through the appropriate steps. He's going to look at all of, you know, every every box that needs to be checked off, whether or not they can run this program and maintain what Billy started. And whoever he ends up hiring, I'm going to support it because I know that he he means well for this program. He knows he's he's going to hire somebody that's going to continue to, to build and sustain or maintain success that Billy started. I mean, yep. so I, I'm not worried about it. I, 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 it's like we say in Maggard, we trust. So I, I'm, I'm okay with whatever. I'm with you, Jerry. I, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it. Uh, 
that's not the word. It's fun, right? The anxiety and even anxiety is not correct. It's more like the unknown. I'm interested in the unknown. We're human beings. We're all interested in the unknown, but this just feels so much differently. Like I don't have like a negative feeling about any of this stuff. I don't feel like, Oh man, we lost our guy. And how are we going to keep it going? I don't have that feeling at all. We have leadership in place. That's going to keep us um, in the right direction, but they're going to keep the coaches accountable. And that's important. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm not worried about it. I know that Brian's going to do the right thing, but I'm not worried one bit. Look out for Mike Desermo. Look out for Pete Golding. Uh, I'd keep your eye on Jeff Lant, uh, Jeff Levy. And then um, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. Dan Lanning. That's the that that's the guy that is kind of the dark horse right now. Um, yeah, I'm also, I mean, look, keep an eye on Jay Johnson. Yep. Offensive coordinator, yep. former OC at UL. Um, he's at... He's, he's dominating up in East Lansing and Michigan State under under Mel Tucker, and we all saw the contract that Mel Tucker just signed. So Good God uh, he's doing we. pretty well up there. Um, but I, again, it goes back to what we just talked about about the about trusting trusting just trusting our leadership to make the right hire. You know, a lot of fans, and I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We want the big the big name, the big splash. We want oh my gosh, this guy, it's almost like the holy grail of a coach, right? But I just want somebody to, again, maintain the success that we've, and build on it. I mean, if it's somebody who's simple, if it's somebody who's not as as uh, loud and not as uh, boisterous and not as, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I'll just, I'll take anyone at this point who can just, who has the right structure. You know, some of your best leaders are the most humble. They're the quietest. You know, they're not the loudest. And so, I just want a coach that understands the structure. That's the thing about Billy. That's what makes him such a great coach. He's, his, he's, his attention to detail is flawless. Bring in a coach with attention to detail. Bring in a coach who can relate to the players. Bring in a coach who builds a good system around him, a good staff around him. The job, look, the, even the assistant positions at this school, at this university, at this program are highly sought, sought after right now. There's a lot of people wanting to become an assistant coach over here. So, Find the right guy that can do that as well and build a staff around them, and I think we'll be fine. Yep, no no doubt about it. Uh, like you said, in Maggard, we trust. Men's basketball tomorrow night against UNO at the Cajun Dome. And then, you know, Saturday, conference championship game. One last ride. Oh, man. Conference championship game sponsored by Hercules Tires, Cajun Field, 230 on ESPN and catch it on the radio on ESPN Lafayette, but you won't need to catch it on the radio or watch it on TV because you'll be with us and 35,000 others at Cajun Field. Uh, we'll have one hell of a time on Saturday. The weather's going to be beautiful. I'm excited, man. Matt and- said, if you're a Raging Review listener and you don't go to the game, he's going to track you down, tickle you until you piss your pants. Yes, sir. And hey, you know we, we we didn't talk about this, but I'll just throw it out there real quick. Three point in underdog public. in public. Three three point underdog. That's bulletin board material, baby. I love it. That's uh, bulletin board it. material. Hey, again, three times we've been underdogs this year: Texas, Liberty, and App State. Liberty and App, we won by twenty eight points. Just saying.
Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez. Jerry A. Bear, Man About Town, Josh Jagno. We have an awesome bonus episode for you guys today. Uh, you know, we, we, we kind of hinted at it on social media. Our first guest is a splash, if you will. For the very first time, joining Rage and Review is Sunbelt Conference Commissioner Keith Gill. Uh, who is who has taken time out of his very busy schedule to to sit down and and chat with the Rage Interview guys before this massive Sunbelt Conference Championship game Saturday at two thirty on ESPN. Commissioner Gill, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing great. Beautiful day in New Orleans. So looking forward to um, our conversation. So thanks for having me. So, you know, Sunbelt Conference Championship game Saturday between Louisiana and App State. This will be the first time that the game is in Lafayette. Short little drive up I-10 for you. You know, what, what's the what's the travel plan? When you will when will the Sunbelt office get to Lafayette? And uh, the, the multiple times that you have come to the city, what's your favorite thing to do in Lafayette? Yeah, well, you know, the great thing is the important people from the Sunbelt office are already there. So our first staff started arriving on Tuesday, and we have staff that arrived on Wednesday as well. So just working through all the logistics and, you know, trying to get ready uh, for the championship. So we've got a presence there already. I'll actually um, drive down tomorrow um, to Friday. Um, I'll make my way down there and uh, probably here around noon. So, um Provided I can get across Mississippi um, near Baton Rouge in a decent amount of time, maybe I'll be there in a, like in a couple of hours. So, and then oh, that's right. What's my favorite thing to do? So you know, so one of the things that I like to do is, and um, so when I go to Sunbelt places, I try to try like local restaurants. So this, um, I try to do a little research. So I targeted. I want to try to see if I can get the Edie's biscuits. Um, I hear the biscuits there are pretty good, so I want to maybe try that on Saturday morning. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, and I've got a couple of the restaurants on my list, Charlie G's and old time grocery. So I might try to hit one of those places as well. So unfortunately, if you've seen me, um, you know, I like to eat obviously. And, um, it shows unfortunately for me. Commissioner Gill, how you doing? Jerry Bear here. Uh, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Uh, this is really cool to 
to talk with you for a little while. And actually I'm very impressed with the restaurants you just named here in Lafayette. So it goes to show you that you're definitely a regular and you, you definitely bookmark the good places around here to eat at. So I might run into you. Uh, maybe a few Cajun fans might run into you while you're down here at one of those local, local spots. That sounds good. But, and if you have you know, suggestions, if you have suggestions, send them my way as well. So I'm always looking at it. <laughs> we'll have to do that for sure, sir. Uh, so, you know, you, before you came to the Sun Belt as a commissioner, you were with the Atlantic 10 Conference. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of different schools and different conferences and different geographical areas here uh, in the United States as far as just conferences in general. But since you've come to the Sun Belt, uh, there's more schools in the South and, of course, in the East Coast all the way to Texas uh, and particularly here in Cajun country, um, since you've come become the commissioner, um, what is your relationship like with the University of Louisiana administration? And uh, how has it evolved since taking over as commissioner? Did you know much about UL beforehand? And um, overall, how has it been? You know, it, it, it's really been terrific. And, and I would say I have a really close relationship um, with Louisiana. So one, um, Dr. Savoy, the president, was um, – you know, president of the league when I came. So, so and actually took over July 1, right after I got hired. I got hired first. So, um, so we worked, I worked really closely through his two-year tenure as president of the league. And that required a lot of conversation with him because we were going through COVID. You know, there were a lot of big issues we were managing. Um, and Brian Maggard was the AD, took over his AD chair on July 1st as well. And, um, and so he was AD chair of the league um, for the, that first two years that I was there. And he's also still the AD chair. So I still work closely with him. So I would say my, my relationship is really close with Louisiana administration. I'm talking to them regularly just because they're in leadership. Dr. Savoy, although he's not still the president, is um, still on the executive committee um, and, and, and still plays a, a pretty significant leadership role. Um, and, and so it's, it's great, you know, and, um, and obviously it's really close. So, um, I've been, so I've probably been at two home games this year. We're supposed to go to a third, except I had a meeting that got scheduled, so I couldn't make it. So I'm in Lafayette a fair amount. I'm talking to Brian and Dr. Savall pretty regularly. And I would say that my relationship with them is, um, is, is, is really good and really close. Very nice. Very nice. So Saturday, we got a 2.30 kickoff of Sunbelt Conference Championship game. First time ever at Cajun Field. You know, every year uh, there's certain logistics, there's certain rules, I'm sure, that the, that the Sunbelt Conference uh, enforces, such as, um, you know, what goes on inside the stadium, right? It's not like a regular home game, but at the same time, uh, we do get the privilege of playing in our home stadium. Uh, specific to Sunbelt Conference responsibilities, uh, what are the logistics around hosting the conference championship, regardless of where the location is? And what what would be some logistics that some folks probably don't know about uh, leading into uh, the game and at kickoff? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. You know, one of the things I think people don't know about is what does it take to put together a game script? You know, so I do think people generally think, hey, you just cut on the lights, open up the gates, and um, run some teams out there, and that's it. But, you know, the whole game is scripted. You know, what the PA is saying, all the reads, when it happens, um, and, and so building a game script is, is really hard and complicated, um, takes some time, um, takes some work. And I, and I bet people would be a little bit surprised with how, um, yeah, just how much goes into that. You know, I also think that, um, you know, the sponsorship elements are, are, are really 
can be kind of challenging getting those all integrated and, and figured out. Um, the officiating, you know, I mean, those are things that, you know, people just think, oh, the officials show up and all the things that go behind um, an officiating program, you know, whether it's the training, the evaluation, um, all the conversations about calls and, and, and those kinds of things that go on. So I do think it's like anything in life, you know, when you discover like a new profession, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was someone that did just that. And when they only do just that, whether it's, you know, manage a junkyard or, 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 or split atoms, when you find out the level of detail and granularity behind that pr- pr- profession, you're always really surprised at just how much thought goes into it. And I think that's the same with a game. You know, everybody plays a game. Um, growing up, we all played them, and you think it's really a simple thing, but it's actually a pretty complex organism to put on a game, particularly one um, like a championship game with the stakes so high and and, um, and so visible. Having some PA experience, I will agree with the commissioner that putting together a game, a game script is uh, a very time-consuming and a very daunting task. But uh, Commissioner Gill, you know, we're talking about the time slot, 2.30 on ESPN. This year the Sun Belt's going to be competing with the American and the SEC. What kind of went into the network's decision there? Uh, did the Sun Belt have any say against it if, if you guys were against it? And, you know, is, is that something, maybe an earlier time slot or a later time slot, something that we would look to change later on? You know, I mean, if you think about it, our, our time shot slot does move, so it's variable. We, we You know, we would have been at 2.30 last year, but the year before we would have been at noon. Um, so the year before that we were at noon. So, so far we've had two different time slots. Um, the noon and the, and the 2.30, or I should say 11 um, central, and then the 2.30 time slot um, central. And, um, and and so, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, those things are really complex, you know, in terms of what windows and why and um, and what makes sense. And, and certainly being opposite the SEC is not, you know, ideal, but you're going to be opposite some game, you know. I mean, whether it's the SEC, the ACC, um, and, and so at the end of the day, you know, I, I think, we have to, you know, we just, we'll play the game and, and certainly, you know, hope that we'll have um, a good crowd that comes watch it and certainly anticipate it. Um, we've certainly had good, you know, viewing crowds um, from a TV perspective all year. And, um, and I don't think, you know, Saturday will be any different. So I'm really optimistic. You know, I certainly know um, why people think being opposite the SEC is not ideal. And, um, and I don't know that I necessarily disagree. But I do think that, you know, when you play on Saturday in a prime window, you're going to be opposite some, some competition. And um, so we just embrace that, and, uh, and um, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. I appreciate your levity with that because sometimes you look at uh, the SEC and the, ACC, the AAC and you, so you go, oh, well, that's what we're competing against. So good. That sounds like some, some good optimism there. I appreciate that, Commissioner Gill. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is Josh. I'm the third, the third leg of this stool here. So uh, we really appreciate you doing this. This is a, it's a good opportunity for us, and I know our fans would love to hear from you. So it's been fun. Uh, my question is, you know, when you came in, we, the, the Sunbelt Conference underwent a rebranding of sorts, including changing the logo. Was that something that you felt strongly convicted about, you know, getting that image and that brand up to, up to snuff, maybe, so to speak, uh, nationally? Is that something that you really wanted to get done? Yeah, you know, I, I thought the branding piece was really important. I should say it is really important. You know, it's an important part of who we are just because, you know, we had a lot of quality football, a lot of good things going on. 
And uh, we just wanted to make sure people knew about it. I think specifically when you think about the logo, you know, I, I actually think the old logo is beautiful. I actually think it's elegant and, and you know, I think it's well done in terms of just an aesthetic. What I would say is that, you know, through my evaluation, I just didn't think it was um, as effective as it could be because if you think about it, it was the disc um, and then it was also the word mark under, underneath. And the disc doesn't stand on its own. So at the end of the day, you have maybe 50, 60% of your visible area being taken up by something that doesn't actually communicate anything about your lead. And so it really was more of kind of a technical um, kind of evaluation to say, hey, can we get something that fills in the space, is a little more flexible, and we use all the space to communicate the lead. And so that's really why there was a change. I mean, you know, I, I think the old logo like I said, is very elegant and, and, and visually appealing. I just didn't know it was as, as effective as it could be in terms of trying to get an impression. And it wasn't that flexible. It wasn't really very visible on a patch. And we do a lot of patches, you know, on our uniforms, which is really important. Um, it didn't have a lot of flexibility for banners um, in terms of in, in those things, whether they're vertical, horizontal. Um, you know, the color wasn't a common color. It was kind of hard to embroider, you know, and so it really was kind of um, almost pragmatism and how you get the best for the impression. That's 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 kind of what my evaluation was. That's why um, I did think it was important that we change. And I've actually been really pleased. I mean, I, I feel like our visual identity has improved. I feel like it's a little more effective and a little more visible. And um, and so the things that I was, was hoping um, that would occur have seemed to um have seemed to happen. So um, I've been pleased with, um, with the approach. No, I appreciate the efficiency, especially with something that's such a, a visible part of your league and who you are. So I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that there's a lot of thought that went behind that. I didn't, I didn't think it, it wasn't part of the, pro, the, the progress, but uh, that, that is a very interesting uh, explanation. And speaking of visibility, you know, we always like to hear about ourselves, right? So I have a question about the football team from last year, uh, specific to Louisiana. When you see the Cajuns go on national television and beat a Big 12 school like Iowa State, who had spent the majority of the previous two years in the top 25 uh, Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, right? A lot of national conversation. What are, the, what are the, the conference offices like during those times when, when you get a result like that from one of your member institutions? Is it pure jubilation? Is it kind of business as usual? Just curious about the inside look of, of something like that on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you know, it's certainly, well, yeah, it is pure jubilation. And I, and I would say, especially during COVID, you know, because I was sitting in my house watching these games. And, um, and, and so when, um, you know, Chris Smith ran back a touchdown and then LeBlanc caught that long one from Levi Lewis, you know, I'm like jumping around in my living room like I'm, you know, some 12-year-old kid. So there's certainly a lot of jubilation, you know, we're human and, and, and certainly get into it. You know, winning matters. You know, and so our conference office is excited um, when we win and, and certainly a little down when, when the weekend doesn't go the way it's supposed to. You know, one of the things we try to do is be prepared to win. Um, and so we try to have a plan that we go into each weekend, which is like if we have big wins, what are we going to do? You know, what's our social media graphics going to look like? What are we going to activate? How are we going to tell the story in a way that really um, that really matters? And um, and, and so – I think it's really important to be prepared for those wins 
um, to expect it to happen and not be all surprised and figuring it out, um, you know, once, once it does happen. And so, so we do a lot of that preparation on Thursday, um, you know, for the games on Saturday, just to make sure we're prepared. But yeah, you know, we're human. We're just like you guys. We're jumping around and, you know, high-fiving and yelling and screaming and texting back and forth um, when good things are happening in the league, you know. Um, and so, and that weekend last year, you know, we too, um, you know, was unbelievable. You know, those three wins, obviously the win by the Cajun over Iowa State was, was huge. But then, you know, Arkansas State and, and um, Coastal, you know, had wins over Big 12 teams as well. So those are great weekends. You know, we celebrate those along with our schools. And I think for us and our brand, it's just important we're prepared for those things so that we can activate um, the right kind of um, communication strategy and branding strategy when those things happen. I love it. I love it. Uh, and a good thing is, is that some of those games happened on the big networks. So you had plenty of, of visibility and recognition for them. And that leads me into my question next. Uh, you know, we've been able to continue to rise in the Sun Belt with regard to TV deals. We've, we've gotten a pretty sweet deal as we've gone forward. Do you expect to renegotiate or renegotiations to occur now that we've added to the league? And do you, you think that that'll happen sooner than later? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I don't have any expectations one way or the other. You know, we just signed a league. We signed a, a new deal with ESPN. They're a great partner. You know, we still have 10 years left on, on our deal. So, you know, I, I don't really have um, any expectations one way or the other. I think, you know, you know, because they are a partner, we're always talking. Um, they're always talking to us about how we can, um, you know, better support them and, and, and better kind of communicate our brand. Um, and we have those same conversations with them. Those things are ongoing. You know, so if some positive things happen out of that that allow us to have um, some more opportunity, you know, that, that's good, you know, in those ongoing conversations. So I've got no expectations. You know, they're a great partner. Um, I, I think they'll be a great partner for, for a while to come. And, we'll, you know, we'll just continue, you know, trying to do the things that we can to support them. Um, and, and I've got every confidence they'll continue to do things that support us as well. Commissioner Gill, speaking of which, uh, adding on real quickly to Josh's question, uh, first of all, congratulations uh, through this carpentry alignment, adding those four teams, uh, James Madison, Southern Miss, Marshall, Old Dominion. I think it's safe to say that uh, most of, at least majority, a good majority of our fan base, uh, we're, we're ecstatic uh, for the realignment, how it worked out for the Sunbelt Conference. I'm sure you're very excited as well. Um, but we, we know that uh, conference alignment is still kind of moving. I know there, it's not quite a hundred percent there yet. It's always evolving. Uh, you know, th there seems to be a domino effect there. I know it all started with the whole Texas and OU to, to the SEC, but uh, if there's a more movement within the Sunbelt conference, like if there's uh, other schools moving amongst other conferences, uh, what, what any idea what will happen to, uh, for example, our non-football uh, playing members at this point, such as uh, UT Arlington, Little Rock. Uh, are there any talks of any more movement within our conference uh, with this realignment cycle? Yeah, you know, right now, no. You know, we feel really good about where we are. Um, and that obviously includes our, you know, 10 current football playing members, you know, four new members, and then obviously our two non-football playing members. So, you know, we don't anticipate any movement, certainly aren't, um, in the in the business of adding any more schools, and um, and, and certainly UTA and Little Rock, um, you know, have been great members of the league, um, and 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 play a really important role, um, and and so we're 
certainly excited about, you know, their membership and, and certainly look forward to them to being, you know, league partners kind of going forward. Commissioner Gill, last question for you, uh, you know, talking about those new members, what are, you know, obviously any, anytime there's conference realignment, there's going to be speculation. There's going to be rumors of, you know, contracts being voided and, and here, not and what else. Preliminarily, what are the chances that the new members could maybe join the conference before the year 2023? Yeah, you know what, I, I think that, you know, there, there may be an opportunity for that to happen. You know, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's, there's a lot of moving parts for those things to happen. And, and certainly, you know, the way, the way we're anticipating is, you know, the July 1, 2023 date that we've all um, talked about. But, you know, these things are fluid and, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of schools moving around the country. And, um, and certainly if there's an opportunity for that, um, it's something that we would be, you know, certainly open to. Um, Sunbelt Conference Commissioner Keith Gill has been our guest. Commissioner, thank you so much for taking the time. We hope you enjoy your weekend in Lafayette, and, and we're looking forward to one incredible conference championship game on Saturday. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I do want to just say congratulations to um, the Cajuns um, for their great season, but also to Coach Napier for, um, you know, obviously we hate to lose him, but um, he's been a tremendous, um, you know, ambassador for the league. Um, I've really enjoyed working with him and, you know, wish him nothing but the best on Saturday and also on the, at the University of Florida when he takes, takes over there full time. So congratulations, Coach Napier. Yeah, fantastic. Commissioner, once again, thank you for your time. And uh, All right, again, thanks. Thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner, appreciate you very much. Thanks, All Commissioner All right, thank Gill. you. Take care. There he goes, Conference Commissioner Keith Gill. We will take a break, and when we come back, we'll have some more fun on Rage and Review, and you will finally get a prediction out of the guys. Don't go anywhere. Rage and Review is right back. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear, and Josh Jogno. We are about 48 or so hours away from the Sunbelt Conference Championship game sponsored by Hercules Tires. 2.30 p.m. kickoff from Cajun Field on ESPN between the Cajuns and the Mountaineers of App State. Now it's time to get some insight from an administrative perspective 
about the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, and we are so thrilled to be joined by Mr. Doug Gillen, the athletic director of Appalachian State University. Mr. Gillen, thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me out, guys. So, first question right off the bat, uh, what, what's the what's the travel plan for the Mountaineers? Uh, are, are you guys already in Louisiana? Um, so no, we'll be uh, we'll be heading there tomorrow. Um, you know, we have a couple different groups coming down. I think, um, as you guys know, the Mountaineers travel really, really well, and um, we've got uh, our team plane will leave tomorrow afternoon. Um, we have another donor plane that'll leave tomorrow afternoon, um, and then we have at least a couple other smaller donor planes that'll be heading that way. Um, so we're, we've got a pretty good contingent coming. Obviously, we're we're not close in proximity to each other, but we got a lot of folks really excited to come, um, spend some time in, in, in Lafayette and, and uh, watch the game. Yeah. So, is is it safe to say you mentioned that that App Nation has always traveled well for games? Uh, is is it safe to say that you guys have sold out of your ticket allotment? Um, I don't know if it's safe to say that. And to be completely honest, I don't know that um, if we've sold out of our ticket allotment or or the actual exact ticket allotment we had. But we, I don't know that we'll have thousands in um, coming that way, but we'll have hundreds. Hey, Mr. Gill and Jerry here. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us today. Uh, we're very excited about this uh, championship game coming up on Saturday between the Mountaineers and the Cajuns. And uh, I have a quick question in regards to the championship game itself. Uh, the Sunbelt Conference decided back in 2018 that they would start implementing a championship game with two separate divisions for football. And of course the Cajuns and the Mountaineers have uh, been safe to say they've been benefactors there uh, in that regard. Right. Uh, in, in your opinion, do you believe that the decision to implement a championship game has elevated the national appear, uh, appeal of the Sunbelt conference uh, as well as our uh, member institutions and, and especially for app, how has it benefited app uh, uh, implementing a championship football game for the Sunbelt? Well, you know, I think the best way I can answer that question is one of our coaches, this is this is probably two years ago, that had been, you know, had been a long-time coach and, and across um, every level of FBS, and he said to me, and this, this is when we, we were hosting you all maybe in 19, he said that he had coached his entire career and never been playing on Championship Saturday. And so, um, you know, that really resonated with me that, um, you know, there's very few teams that are going to be playing on Saturday. And by the way, we're both going to be playing on national television on ESPN on Championship Saturday. So um, that that would be the best way that I could answer that question. You know, we'll have millions of people watching this game. Um, I think it's great for both universities. I think the the decision by the Sun Belt Conference to host a championship game is was a great idea, and based on exactly what I just said. Um, and I think the fact that we're hosting it at um, you know at a at a home site. You know, of course, we wish we were in Boone, um, but we're going to come come back there. Um, I'm hoping that you guys are going to have a full stadium. The Sun Belt needs that, uh, and certainly we, you know, our fans came out when we had it here. I think it's really good for uh, college football and for the Sun Belt. Mr. Gill and Josh, and I, I echo the sentiments of my other two co-hosts. We very, we very, very much appreciate you joining us. This is always a thrill. Um, sounds like ticket sales have been pretty brisk, so that's encouraging. Uh, I want to ask a question about Lafayette as having our first opportunity to host a game like this. It's probably one of the biggest opportunities we ever had uh, as a football program. Boone is all too familiar. You guys have hosted the other two or three, right? 
Yeah, two because it's been two. four. Yep. So, 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 what is the game meant to boon in terms of the economic impact, the tourism interest, maybe, uh, and really your overall university across the board? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think you know you can look at it a couple different ways. One is obviously the engagement with your university on national television. Um, folks that might know about might not know about Boone or might not know about Lafayette. Um, it's really it's a good window uh, for folks, and like I mentioned, there'll be there'll be millions of people watching this game. So I, I think that's really good. Also, obviously, you know, for a town like ours, ours and a town like yours, I mean, you're having people come in on Friday and stay on Saturday and Sunday and eat at the restaurants and stay at the hotels. That's real. That's been really really good for Boone, and I'm assuming it's going to be really really good for the economic impact uh, there as well. I mean, and, and then. For us, uh, and for y'all, it's, it's alumni engagement scheme. And, you know, so you got your alumni engaged for another game. You're playing for a big trophy, um, and, and that's only been elevated. And what we found is, um, and, and even in this game, although it's on the road for us, the alumni engagement is amazing. I mean, the amount of folks that we've been hearing from and have been engaging with our university because our football program is playing in a high-profile national game, you can't put a price on uh, for both of us. And so, um, you know, certainly there's going to be quantifiable uh, numbers that y'all will be able to, um, to put on in the local economy. I know we've got people flying in and out of Lafayette starting tonight um, in, in the, the commercial airport, I mean. Um, so we're sending, you know, I don't know how many people down there tonight, just fans and some of my staff members are going there to get, get kind of some pre, uh, some of the pre stuff set up. So your airports, your hotels, your restaurants, uh, everybody should benefit uh, by hosting another game. And obviously, high profile, hope you have more attendance than you've ever had uh, so far this year. And that'll be even better for the economics of the area. And that's how I believe college football gives back to local communities in so many different ways. But certainly economically is one. I know uh, Brian Maggard, one of the best ADs in our league, is is pointing towards, hey, I'm bringing an event. Um our area that benefits businesses that's good for everybody absolutely agree alumni engagement is an interesting comment because that's something that we definitely need to cultivate here uh it can be better it's not bad but it could be better um louisiana and appalachian state athletic programs have have a friendly yet fierce rivalry i mean we've played for some high stakes across the board over the last five six years um what is the relationship like at the administrator level, uh, if I remember correctly, you and Dr. Maggard have some sort of an over, overlapping relationship. And if I remember right, it was Missouri that you guys had some time together. So have you guys carried on a, a good relationship as you've moved on in your careers? And, and what's that like? Yeah, I mean, it's special to me. Um, the relationship I have with uh, Brian Maggard and his family goes back, you know, I, I spent two different times at Missouri and um, you know, earlier in my career and later in my career, and Brian was there both times. Um, and then I, I came to Appalachian, and he came to Lafayette, um, uh, Louisiana. I don't, I don't want to misspeak, of course. Um, but uh, we, we're really, really close friends. Uh, we talked earlier this week. Um, we probably talk every week, quite frankly, um, because about anything, and it's not, not just about. Um, this game or whatever, but the Sun Belt, we, we were in lockstep during realignment. I think Brian and I talked probably every day um, during the realignment pieces because we both were vested. We both were um, leaders uh, from, a, from a university standpoint um, in the conference. Uh, so very, very good friends. Uh, probably couldn't put in words how close Brian and I are and how much he means to me.
Mr. Gillen, you know, in your, in your seven years as uh, athletic director at App State, uh, you've navigated quite a few coaching changes. Uh, in particular, you, you had a few coaching changes in football. Uh, you've had one in basketball. And, uh, and right now, we're, <laughs> we're going through the same thing with, uh, with Billy Napier heading to, to Gainesville to become the Florida Gators head coach. Um, what would you, you know, this is kind of our first time experiencing losing a football coach to a, to a big school. Uh, and since you've experienced that quite a few times over the past few years at App, uh, what advice would you give uh, Cajun fans uh, during this transitional period? Um, what was kind of the vibe you got with with Mountaineer Nation? And uh, how do you basically how do you kind of calm our nerves right now? Because it's such a, a time of, of unknown of, of what's going to happen with uh, with our football coach. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And, and you're right. We've had to, to do that over time over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with Coach Satterfield going to Louisville and, and Coach Drinkwitz going to Missouri. Um, you know, success, you know, sometimes that's the price of success. I would, uh, for, for Cajun fans, I would tell them to be patient, relax, and trust Brian Maggard because he knows what he's doing. Um, you guys got a great program. Uh, Billy has certainly um, built it up over the last number of years um, to where it is today, and I think um, consistency is, is, um, important. Um, and I know, uh, Ryan, you know, he, he's, you know, he's on a hired Billy, right. So he knows what he's doing. Um, so I would just be patient and, uh, you know, everybody gets a little bit, uh, impatient, um, thinking things aren't going on behind the scenes, but I know that Brian's working diligently to make sure the future of Cajun football is in really, really good hands. Doug Gillen, App State Athletic Director, has been our guest. You know, we're talking about Billy Napier, and we're talking about him moving on to the University of Florida. Uh, the legacy that he has left on, on the Sunbelt Conference, I mean, four Western Division championships, four subsequent appearances in a Sunbelt Conference championship game, minus last year, uh, 39 wins in his time at Louisiana. What would from from an outsider's perspective watching Billy Napier work here at Louisiana? What's the lasting impression you think he leaves, not only on the Raging Cajun athletics but the Sun Belt Conference as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I would give you this from an outsider and somewhat of an insider perspective, just in, in being fortunate enough to be around Coach Napier in um, you know Sun Belt meetings. Um, certainly, he was um, at a time the uh, Sunbelt representative uh, with the AFCA at the same time that I was a Sunbelt representative uh, with the Football Oversight Committee um, through the NCAA. So I had a chance to talk with him a number of times back and forth of what's really good um, or, you know, what, how we should be looking at, um, you know, football uh, in general, but also football in the Sunbelt specifically. And I think one of his legacies certainly will be that he, he elevated uh, Sunbelt football. Um, you know, obviously through Louisiana um, in the years in the success and numbers that you just gave us. But but he did it at the national level, too. He did that carrying the, the Sunbelt Torch um, through the ASBA, which obviously had a, a big voice um, through the Football Oversight Committee that obviously has a voice through the NCA and what's best for football. So the good, the good thing and, and part of his legacy, if you want to call it that, is he always um, – in every meeting I've ever been in with him, it, it was working on diligently on how to continue to enhance uh, football, but specifically football in the Sunbelt Conference. And he definitely will leave football in the Sunbelt Conference better than he found it. 
um, as, as uh, evidenced by all of us when we looked at realignment and, and how the Sun Belt was able to come through realignment and strengthen itself to be um, the best group of five conference there is, in my opinion. And uh, part of that is, is due to Billy and what he's done at Lafayette or Louisiana. Mr. Gillen, you know, it's a, it's a perfect point to transition into. You just mentioned realignment. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you, you've had a pretty busy schedule along with other athletic directors in the conference with the fact that uh, it's safe to say that the, the Sunbelt Conference uh, got better over the last few months by adding uh, four new teams that bring a lot of quality uh, to the conference, um, and especially on the Eastern side. I know, uh, I know App's going to have a little bit of a challenge with uh, the additions of JMU, Old Dominion, as as well as Marshall rivalry rivalry renewed. Um, and of course on the Western side, Troy will be mo- moving over to our side as well as Southern Miss, a very familiar foe to Cajun nation. Uh, what are your thoughts on the additions to the conference and specifically how, how do those additions, how, how do they enhance or how will they enhance fan base participation, revenue and uh, regional rivalries and just the overall value of the Sunbelt conference going into the future? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, that's a great question. I think that you, um, you just hit on that because I, I think the answer is check, check, check. They're going to do all of the above. And that was part of, part of the strategic vision for our leadership, um, at, at the chancellor level and, and certainly, um, assisted at the athletic director level. But we wanted to, um, continue to enhance, um, regional rivalries, uh, that, that enhances, um, alumni engagement enhances fan attendance and enhances the atmosphere in our venues, enhances recruiting. Student athletes want to go play where people come and watch them. And, um, you know, so we didn't, we didn't, it wasn't a market play for the Sun Belt. It was, uh, I think, um, and not just football, quite frankly, you know, throughout the process, I'm sure Dr. Maggard and myself were talking to all of our coaches. It got, it's a better baseball. It's got great baseball teams, we've got great football teams, we've got great basketball teams, we've got great volleyball teams. Uh, women's soccer, softball, etc. You know, all of these programs that are joining the Sun Belt bring, uh, you know, a plethora of quality um, academic institutions and, and athletic programs. But specifically for football, uh, for us, you know, we're looking at, you know, now we got James Madison, we got uh, Marshall, we've got Old Dominion, all drive trips. Quite frankly, um, we don't really recruit the same uh, footprint that Louisiana does. So I'll talk specifically about Appalachian is that if you're um, talking to recruits in, in, in our footprint, our geography, their parents not only will be able to drive to their home, to our home football games, but drive to our away football games. I think that same is true for the, the western side of the division with the addition of maybe, you know, maybe Texas State in terms of drivable. But I think it really enhanced that. Now also, you know, it was really important to, for our student-athletes to miss less class time, for our student-athletes to get on fewer planes that cost a exorbitant amount of money to fly and so you know you kind of you kind of win on the expense side and you win on the revenue side um when you uh pack your stadiums and for Appalachian State you know we we led the league again in attendance Uh, I think that's happened pretty much every year you've been in the league it's only going to enhance quite frankly I'm looking out right now how to put more seats in my stadium um because of not just realignment but the quality of our program and and that's a good problem to have not everybody has that problem and I think uh, a, a realignment helped us all, in, including Louisiana and Appalachia. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Doc, Doug Gillen has been our guest athletic director at Appalachian State University. Mr. Gillen, we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we appreciate everything you've done at App State. It, it's definitely 
enhanced our conference and uh, made Louisiana a better program by having to play top-notch competition like the Mountaineers. And we, we look forward to uh, the, the championship game on Saturday here in Lafayette. Thank you, guys. Let me just finish with one thing because I think it's really important that I wanted to say and should have said it earlier. You, you know, your fan base is amazing. Every time we come there, um, you know, with all the things going on around the country, sometimes you talk about, like, you know, you know, fans being mean or ugly or say bad stuff, et cetera. Um, Louisiana, Louisiana fans are as classy as it gets. Um, they uh, appreciate great competition, but also being friendly and um, collaborative with both fan bases. So I can't say enough about your fan base. It's the best in the Sun Belt in terms of welcoming. And uh, I think we all can learn a little bit from them and, and look forward to seeing them on Saturday. Thank you, Mr. Gillen. If I could, I've been up to Boone three times now, uh, two for championship games. Your fans have been some of the most welcoming. They have been some of the kindest, uh, most genuine people that I've met on the road in my lifetime. And we go to a lot of away games. So uh, from our fan base to yours, this has been a whole lot of fun getting to know your your town, your people, your base. Uh, it's been great. And I think Saturday will just be another chapter in that story. Appreciate it. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing you Saturday. Thank you, Doug. Thanks, Mr. Gillen. There he goes, Doug Gillen, athletic director for App State University. Huge game coming up Saturday. Once again, the Hercules Tires. Sunbelt Conference Championship game, 2.30 p.m. ESPN. Cajun Field. According to some very reliable sources... More than likely going to be a sellout. It'll be a lot of fun. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more Rage Interview to come right after this. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Welcome back to our agent review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, Men About Town, Josh Jagno. Three guests in one episode. In the first segment, we were joined. By App State Athletic Director, Doug Gillen. The second segment, we were joined by the Sunbelt Conference Commissioner, 
Keith Gill. We are now joined by the voice of the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns and our very, very dear friend, the Jaybird, Jay Walker. What's going on, sir? How are you? I'm uh, having the time of my life. You know, we're we're about to have a, uh, a football game. We're about to have a basketball game. I'm about to do double duty. I'm I'm excited. Um, there's a lot of excitement here at the athletic complex, and everybody working their butt off. Man, these folks over here are so busy because the people from the Sun Belt are in town, so they're having to do all the things they need to do to get ready for that. And they're still, you know, doing their jobs. And I don't see the athletic director anywhere, so I think he's probably looking for a football coach. I'm so glad you brought that up. Right, right off the bat, you know, you get you get more of a perspective than we do. Is there any names you can share about who could be in the hunt? Nothing, nothing that most folks haven't already heard. There's, this is a very difficult coaching search to put a thumb on because it's the most unique coaching search that the Cajuns have ever done. Because every time that they've hired a football coach, it's been to try to fix something that was broken. This time you're not doing that. And so I don't think you can look at this from a conventional standpoint. I think other things come into play this time around because what you're trying to do is sustain and build upon a very successful program. We've never had to do that before. So anybody who thinks that they like, you know, say, well, you know, the last time we looked for, co- well, the last time you looked for a coach and things were broke. And so I just think this is a unique search. I, uh, I, I will, the only thing that I will say um, as far as, as candidates are concerned, I think that for the first time you actually may see uh, the athletic director at least consider somebody who's already on staff because how do you, how do you uh, go ahead and continue continuity? Well, that's one way to do it. So in the past, we wouldn't have given it a second thought this time. I think we need to agree wholeheartedly. How, how long have we heard, you know, we want some, uh, some consistency in on the staff. We want to find a guy that'll stay here and be loyal over others, you know? So hiring from within might necess- might not necessarily be a bad thing in this particular situation. We want to keep what Billy has started in place. I don't think one Cajun fan would disagree with that. So I think you're, you're well, accurate there, Jay. Yeah, and, and I think, once again, you have to remember, fans don't look at coaching searches the way administrators do. Brian Maggard made it very clear when he met with the media after Coach Napier made it official that he was headed to Florida, he made it very clear what he was looking at and looking for. He was looking for the same thing he was looking for when he hired Christy Gray and Lance Key and Matt Deggs and Jerry Glasgow and Billy Napier. He's looking for coaches that will check boxes that are important to him. Somebody who's a relentless recruiter, somebody who knows what winning looks like, somebody with a good moral compass, somebody who can uh, have relationships with student athletes, someone who can put the student into student athlete 
and, and demand excellence in the classroom. That's what he's looked for with every coach hire. Never has he said, okay, we need an offensive guy or we need a defensive guy or we need somebody who's coached in the power five before. He's never said any of those things. And so therefore you can never assume stuff other than what Brian Baggard said. And he has been consistent in every single coaching search he's done. Agreed hundred percent. I'm not going to bog you down in coaching stuff because we could do that for two hours. Um, do you have any real tangible update with tickets, Jay? And uh, my second question would be, are there going to be any changes to game day with regard to maybe something with a, a different tailgate setup? Are there going to be some – I understand that the championship is run by the Sunbelt Conference, but outside of the stadium, is there anything different that's going to happen on Saturday? I don't think so um, because I don't think the Sunbelt is out to reinvent the wheel here. You know, they, uh, they are the hosts – Um, actually, they are the ones who, um, are in charge of the game. The Cajuns are the hosts of the game. Now, you know, might you see, um, Ed Perkins be a little bit more toned down on the PA? Yeah, maybe so. Um, but as far as everything else is concerned, you're still going to have a Cajun walk. You're still going to have music under the oak tree. Uh, you're still going to have Russo Park open. Um, you know, that they opened up parking area to folks who had bought tickets that didn't have season tickets that wanted to buy a parking pass. So parking lot's probably going to be full. I don't see a whole lot different going on, except that I had to go ahead and resubmit the fact that I'm vaccinated and I have to get a park, uh, a press pass that has Sunbelt conference and not UL on it. Um, but, but no, I don't see a whole lot changing because in the games that I've gone to in Boone, I, I didn't really see anything on game day that was different from other game days that we've had uh, up in Boone. So I don't think you're going to see. Now, as far as ticket sales are concerned, I can tell you they have remained brisk. Um, I, I, I refute and dispute uh, the comments like, oh, as of yesterday, there were only 4,000 tickets. Uh, no. No, that, that's not right. That's not true. Um, you know, we know that the, 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 if you're sitting in the stands on the west side, that the left-hand part of the east side is reserved for our visitors. Well, Appalachian State only has 800 tickets. So it's not like they're going to fill three sections there. So I don't think folks have to worry about can you get into Cajun Field, I think the answer to that is going to be yes. Um, I think that they're going they're going to need, I think, a brisk walk up to get to the. You know, I think thirty thousand is always a magic figure. People, oh, we need to put forty thousand. We need forty five thousand. Thirty thousand has always been a magic figure. I think they're going to have to have a good day of sales tomorrow and a decent walk up in order to, to reach that. That's my opinion based on what I've been told. I agree. Uh, if we get to 34, 35, I'll be ecstatic. That'll, that'll definitely guarantee for a great atmosphere. Do you expect a good walk-up? Typically, we do on game days, but this is a little bit of a different scenario. Do you expect a good walk-up Saturday? I hope so, for, uh, for, and I've got a couple of reasons to, to talk about. You know, One is I don't think that this talk about, oh, we've only got 4,000 tickets left, it's going to help walk-up sales. 
because you're going to have people that, that read that on social media or, or, or see it or, and, and then they're going to say, Oh man, the game's almost always sold out, probably be sold out for tomorrow. So let's go ahead and plan a picnic somewhere. Um, I, I don't think that anybody's doing anybody favors by saying this game's almost sold out because it's not, um, you know, usually people who are, who are walk-ups that aren't real sure if they're going to go or not, the first thing they do is they check the weather forecast. And the weather forecast is about as chamber of commerce as you're ever going to get in the month of December. So um, I don't think that's going to deter, the weather's not going to deter people. And so I'm, I'm hoping they can get a good walk-up. Now, because it's a championship game and because it's been promoted the way it has, You've had advanced ticket sales like you ain't seen in a very, very long time. So does that, does that hurt walk up? I I don't know. I I have no idea. We'll find out. Jay, uh, first of all, I want to say, man, congratulations. 30 years, man, three decades with raging Cajun athletics, a lot of time put in and uh, time well spent. So I wanted to ask you about your 30 year experience. You've experienced, uh, well, even before that, the Alabama game, Cajun field in 1990, Texas A&M in 1996. Uh, We've had some good crowds in the beginning of the HUD era, 2011, 2012. As far as anticipation from the people you've talked to all week long, would you say that this is debatably the biggest game ever played at Cajun Field as far as the hype goes with, you know, people I, talk around town? I, I will say it is the, it's, it's, the, it's the biggest game and the biggest impact game since Texas A&M. I don't know that I'm going to say it's, it's the most anticipated game ever, but it's certainly since the Texas A&M game uh, in 96. And, you know, when we start talking about going back to how many people you put in the stands, you know, let's remember with the, um, the, the top five, six, seven, um, Cajun field, um, crowds, those were helped by a whole lot of people from the other team showing up. You know, we got 41,000 for Southern because there were 12,000 Southern fans. Um, you know, you got 38,000 for Texas A&M cause there were six or 7,000, a&M fans and on and on and on. This has a chance. Like I said, Appalachian State's only, only got 800 tickets. This has a chance to be one of the biggest crowds ever at Cajun Field that wasn't spurned uh, or spurred rather by a, a big crowd from the visitors. This, this has a chance to be as big a Cajun Field crowd of Cajun fans as we've ever had. All right, Jay Walker, put on the, the, the play-by-play man goggles for, for a moment. App is a three-point favorite in this game, um, but we all know that outside of the Texas game, the other two times this season that we have been underdogs, we've won by 28 points in each of those games, one of them being against App State. What do the Cajuns have to do on Saturday to, to hoist the, the Conference Championship trophy? Well, as always turnover margin is huge. It always is. But let's, but since that's a given, let's put it aside. The statistic that I look at from the first meeting between the two schools in, in football, a big play is defined as a play of 20 yards or more. And the first meeting between the two schools, Appalachian state had zero big plays, none. They did not have a single play 20 yards or more. I think 
I think the team that gives up the fewest big plays is going to win the football game. Now, I think the Cajuns have a tougher assignment this time because while Nate Noel led the league in rushing, Cameron Peoples is a different kind of back. He's Trey Regis with better speed is who he is. Very difficult to bring down on the first hit. He did not play in the first game. He could be a difference maker, but you can't let App State get big plays against your defense. If you if you go ahead and, and you limit that and get a few of your own, I think the Cajuns are going to be okay. But you uh, but you can't give up big plays. You just can't. You know, Jay, in this particular game, I think the big difference besides Cam Peoples not playing, I thought the 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 Cajuns front seven really dominated, put pressure on Chase Bryce. Um, offensively, um, you know, we always talk about you know we we, we run a balanced attack. Uh, and it looks like App State's defense has only given up 14 points uh, per game since they've played Louisiana. What would be the keys offensively this time around, knowing that they've played us before, knowing that they've seen us before? What would be what would the offense have to do? Because I personally, I think it's going to be tough to score 41 points on this defense again. But what does the Cajun offense need to do uh, to to get to get to do just enough to win? Run the football. Um... I, I don't want to oversimplify things, but if you look back, really, over the last several years, nights that the Cajuns have struggled to run the football, they've struggled to win football games. Um, they had great success running the football against App State the first time around. They had over 240 yards rushing. Uh, I'm not saying they got to do that again, because I don't know if they can do that again, but they have to be successful running the football. And, you know, and, and for that matter, so does App State. One of the things that I liked about the first meeting was the way the Cajun secret, uh, secondary blanketed a very good receiving core from Appalachian State, which is why they were able to harass Chase Bryce a little bit because he had trouble finding open receivers. Um, but you've got to be able to run it, man. You know, and, and you don't have to get 240, but you've got to run it enough to where you know, App State doesn't get in a position where they're pinning their ears back and just, you know, bringing the house. Because if you're in third and along, a lot of times, that's what they're going to do. And when they do, their band's going to get to play, not ours. So I think you got to have success running it. Well, I don't think our defense is going to struggle for motivation because they got totally snubbed on the Sunbelt Conference all, all uh, first team. Not a single defensive player from Louisiana, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, look at all the different senior bowl invites, look at the stats, look at the body of work, honestly. Uh, I, I don't think that our conference does a great job of naming uh, all-star teams, essentially, all-conference teams. But that that in particular, not having any defensive guys on that team, that's got to be a way to put that on the bulletin board, right, Jay? Well, yeah, I, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure that there are going to be some guys who maybe take it a little bit personally. But, you know, when I look at the guys who are on the all-conference team, I don't know of too many that I'd say, well, I'm taking this guy off. You know, the, the, the reality of the situation is the Cajuns' best unit, I think, is that four-man linebacking core. Let me tell you something. they got some great linebackers in our league. 
So I kind of get it because with a team, if you've got a team that's got like a, a guy like uh, Marshall over at, over at Troy, if you've got one guy who has got twice as many tackles as everybody else on the team, then he's going to get a lot of votes for first team all conference because of that. When you have a linebacking core that's consistent across the board, what happens is you go ahead and you nominate these guys, and then the people who are making the decisions, yeah, they look at numbers, but they also say, okay, what did he do when he, when he played against us? And so now you've got linebacker A getting a handful of votes and linebacker B getting a handful of votes, and then you've got a kid like Marshall at Troy who's getting everybody's vote because he had twice as many tackles as everybody else. So I think, I think the, the parity among the linebacking crew really hurt the Cajuns as far as first-team all-conference is concerned. When you have a lot of guys, you, you, I wouldn't trade Chris Smith or Montrell Johnson for anybody. And yet, when was the last time we, you know, that you had a couple of first-team all-conference guys? When, you, when, you're, when you're sharing the wealth, you don't get as many votes. I don't know how else to say it. Good point, Jay. Good point. You know, we all, I mean, it's pretty much safe to say, I know there's been talks of whether or not, you know, Billy's going to coach the bowl game. I I mean, he's getting introduced, you know, I think the day after, I think Sunday he gets introduced as the new Florida Gators head coach. So it's safe to say this is pretty much his last game uh, on the Cajun sideline. You know, I kind of wonder, and this is more of the fan asking here. And from your point of view, the, the, the players obviously have unfinished business after everything that happened last year, they've gone to the championship the last few years and they've come up short, but knowing that their coach is about to leave and it's his last game and it's going to be very emotional for everybody, including fans. Um, do you think that could be a distraction or do you think that's going to give them even more motivation to want to win that game and carry him off the field one last time? You know what? If I had the answer to that, I could make enough money to treat you guys to a good steak dinner. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, part of me says these guys are going to go out and play their butts off because they want Billy to finish the deal. You know, because Billy has unfinished business and he's only got one more opportunity to win a championship. Now, here's the other side of that coin. Last week, this football team really wanted to win for the seniors. And they wanted to win for the seniors so badly that they didn't play very well. They can't let that happen this time around. So they, they've got to, I think they got to try to stay as even keel as they have been during the season. And, you know, you can't not think about the fact that it's Billy's last game, but I don't think that can be the motivation for your performance. I think winning a championship has to be the motivation for your performance. Yeah, that's a good point. I think once they run out of the tunnel, all that kind of goes by the wayside, if you're asking me. I think the fact that they've experienced a game where they got too jazzed up and didn't play well actually bodes well for us. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, I think so. Jay, I'm going to put you on the spot before we let you run. Uh, If you can recall, uh, give me me a story about Billy, maybe on the road, maybe at home, whatever. Something that was personal to you, something that you will never forget. Um, 
maybe just an impact moment. Uh, it could have been that he was doing something for somebody else. Anything. Um, give me, give me something I, like that. I, you know, one of the things that, that impresses me about Billy is how much he is willing to recognize the unsung people. And that held true in his first three seasons when he had scholarships to give and they would go ahead and they would uh, go ahead and film uh, when Billy gave somebody a scholarship and the place went crazy. He's, he's always been great at giving credit to people that maybe the average person wouldn't give any credit to. And, you know, he, he saw things that I don't think any of us saw, but, but as such a stickler to detail, you know, Billy's been very good to me. He's been a lot better to me than, than he, you know, than I had a right to. Um, I've enjoyed working with the guy. Now from a personal standpoint, Monday, he went in to do his, um, it was a zoom press conference and I happened to get to the office when he was right, right about in the middle of it. And I walked over and, um, he finished up and he walked and he looked at me and he said, give me a hug, big guy. And, and we hugged and, um, I don't know, that meant an awful lot to me. And, uh, and I, and I appreciated that very much. And it, and it was, you know, I think it was just his way of saying, Hey, thanks, man. So, you know, personally, Monday meant more to me than anything, but I just, I just love the fact that he always looked to give credit to somebody that nobody else was given credit for. Yeah. You know, B- Billy Napier is the, the epitome of just a good dude. Um, <laughs> The, the, the few times that I've gotten the chance to talk to him one-on-one, he, he's just been, you know, just the classiest, most humble guy. And uh, I, I really enjoyed, you know, getting to getting to speak with him the couple times that I did. And I definitely enjoyed watching his football teams over the last four years. And I also look forward to being a Florida Gators fan from now on. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was on Florida radio today, uh, the flagship station, and, their play-by-play guy uh, and I visited, and, and he said, "Tell us a little bit, a little bit about Billy Napier." And you know, I, I talked about a few things, and then I said, "You know, I've been doing this for thirty years, and I've been on this earth a long time. If I was going to make a list of the type, the top five men that I've ever met, Billy Napier would be on the list." And the guy said, "Whoa, really?" And I said, "Yeah, you're getting more than a football coach, guys." No, no doubt about it. Play-by-play guy Jay Walker has been our guest, the man, the myth, and the legend. Wait, wait, one other thing. Besides man, myth, and legend, don't forget purveyor of truth. The purveyor of truth! Yes! Yes! <laughs> he, Thank he, you. He did it. Okay. He did it. We, we, loved, we loved Jay Walker. That for, will be funny to some out good there. God, that's awesome. And with that... That's going to do it for this episode of Rage and Review. Hey, listen, it's Hatchet's buried, buddy. Moving right on. You got it. Sunbelt Conference Championship game, 2.30 on Saturday. The Cajuns and the Mountaineers at Cajun Field. Be there. Be square. 
I mean, what what else what else is there to say? Something about underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget your underwear. Rage and Review on Twitter. Rage and Review everywhere you get your podcast. Be safe. Be well. We'll see you guys Saturday. And as always. <laughs>